0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable, I am your host Gary Cacholillo and before we get started I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to the show who are Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Joseph Simkovic, author of How to Kiss the Universe, Ms. Aida, author, psychic, spellcaster, root worker, witch, at com That is spelled M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A dot com, and this episode is being sponsored by Ginger Glasser, and you can find Ginger at tarotbyginger.com, dot com. She's a tarot reader, evidential medium, and healer, and that is at tarotbyginger.com. dot com. Now, without further ado, our guest for today is Doctor Richard Allen Miller, and we are going to talk about the possibility. Oh, a poor shift. Thanks for coming on today.
1: You want me to start commenting on what I know and what I don't know?
0: Absolutely. I, I want to hear it. I'm ready. I,
1: I don't I'm, think you do. But I, I,
0: I'll I'll think I'm strapped I'm in and ready to hear what you got to say, Dad.
1: I guess I should start with the fact that the core of Earth has stopped spinning twice in one year. Now, the core of Earth stopped spinning has happened over a couple of year period, it's not unusual for the core of Earth to stop spinning. It has never stopped spinning twice in one year in recorded history. This is based on some studies I did back in 1974 with MRU and the Department of Interior. Basically, the X-bands coming off the sun right now, and there have been 15 of them so far, Mm -hmm. Three of which were the same level that dropped Fukushima and one on March 31st was so bad that if it had gone to Earth, it would have probably sterilized the Earth. It didn't. It went off into outer space. And so everybody felt, oh, well, we're lucky. No, we weren't lucky. What happened was it hit Uranus when it went off to space. Now, remember, I've told you before that space is a construct. It's not real mm-hmm. any more than time is. It's, it's the way our limited imagination can grasp things. Right. Okay. Like we talked about the flat Earth and the round Earth. Which one is it? It's, I said it's always yes, because right. astrology became astronomy and will shortly become what we call cosmobiology. This is on the new field theory I'm writing with some Russians that made a breakthrough on the proton cloud. Mm-hmm. That, you know, Okay. What basically is happening is that Uranus is a higher octave of Earth in astrology. And so while it didn't hit Earth, it hit Uranus. That is going to have a catastrophic event on Earth and what you call an epoch that happens every 12,000 years. Now, the study I did went back in history, and I went back probably five epochs looking at geology and what we do and what we don't know. We don't know. It's based on assumed truth, so it's only as good as our imagination. But there was a three sigma error coefficient that when the planet Uranus and the Earth and the sun are in a certain specific geometric alignment, the original studies were done in Czechoslovakia, back during the book, Psychic Discoveries Behind the Iron Curtain. It was Yanov who had proved that when a woman is born, an engram is set into her DNA that causes her to ovulate at certain phases of the moon. And because the moon is so close to the earth, if she were to move on earth, that ovulation cycle changes. Now, we don't know how that all works with phases mm-hmm. of the moon, other than when you talk about lunatic and, you know, different things that the moon does group behavior. But we've never talked about it on an individual behavior or on a race behavior. Now, the reason they did the Parker dive into the heliosphere is that geometric alignment occurred a few years back. And they went into the heliosphere because the solar minimum is what triggers astral events for Earth related to Uranus. Okay, just like the Earth cloud is a third protective shale around around our solar system, if you're grasping that, sort of. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay, so basically, Uranus got blasted big time, and all of a sudden, we had a second molten core stop. Okay, the core of Earth, the molten core, and if it will begin to spin back again, then we're okay and we'll know by June, by June. But if it doesn't, it starts spinning in the opposite direction, which it has historically done every 12,000 years, then we're going to have a catastrophic event, life extinction. And uh, there'll be survivors, you know, homo mutants, homo sapiens, homo GMO. All of them will be there. But something else is going on. And I can make an argument that we're in a petri dish.
0: Mm-hmm. The way everything, yeah, it's
1: just there's too much going on. So I started to look at this. And what will happen if the core of Earth, and we'll know by June, if the core of Earth starts spinning in an opposite direction, we're going to have a magnetic field shift in the poles. And, and when that happens, the Earth slows down and it starts spinning in an opposite direction. And if you don't think that doesn't have an effect on every volcano and oh, I mean, we're talking about land mass changes like on the West Coast, everything west of I-5 will probably be gone in four hours. Wow. That's supposed to happen between late March and early April 2024, and we'll know by this June. That's the good news. That's the, the bad news. news is, <laughs> and <then> the bad <laughs> news is there's nothing you can do about it. The, every place that I have as a bunker that I'm overseeing for the military now uh, has pluses and minuses. Where do you want to live? You know, if you're going to be in Pennsylvania, that, by the way, all of Pennsylvania has bunkers all the way down into Florida. I don't know if you knew that. The the East Coast. Yeah. You can start in Maine and not ever come above ground. They're all interconnected now. The West Coast isn't nearly as good. Washington has its own things with B.C. And Oregon starts around where Goonies did in you know, banned in Oregon, and then goes down into the Trinity Alps uh, in the Midwest. Dennis Kucinich had me uh, look at his bunkers in four states. He has—he calls himself the president of the Midwest. There, there are in Kansas, there and Texas. I mean, there he's got he's got bunkers that are not interconnected, but they're you know available. Each one has pluses and minuses in terms of. You know, good things about it, mm-hmm. bad things about it. Um, so it really, without knowing what's literally going to happen, I can't tell you which is the best place to go.
0: Like, mm. mean, how would a bunker even be safe? Like, say if the continent is being torn apart in half, you I know, and, and if you're inside a bunker, I mean, almost, if, I mean if the bunker is able to survive, like underwater and under different landmass, maybe it'll be okay. It's like a separate entity. But if it's- Well,
1: that's right. But what we're talking about is on the West Coast, this mm-hmm. is the part I've studied best, is that when Mauna Loa on, on the Big Island goes, it will set off that volcano off in Crescent City in the ocean that doesn't have a name. And when that goes, it's going to shift the plate five degrees because there's a seven-mile rip in that where there's a hole right next to that volcano that's leaking fresh water, which acts as a lubricant. And so what's going to happen is basically there's going to be landmass changes of which there will probably be survivors, but I can't tell you how many, and I can't tell you how how well we'll be able to survive. Because if you go back into other epochs, we've been here before. We've had space flight with the Vermana, And other kinds of things so with that concept of technology i'm certain that there's no way that that part of our technologies are going to be able to save us from this kind of event that's why i would make an argument about a petri dish we don't really have full disclosure which means we don't have free will what Mm -hmm. we have is true will with what knowledge base we have and the fact that there are alternate universes now what we call the multiverse, where you put a different, I don't know, uh, topping on your breakfast cereal this morning that changed how you did this interview with me, that changed everybody's opinion, that led to an alternate universe. You know, all the different choices that you could have made that would have affected things differently. Right. um, I'm concerned because there isn't really, we're, Anything any of us are going to be able to do about it? We're basically all along for the ride. We don't really have much say in it. However, one of the doors that I had no memory of on my visit that single visit to Groom Lake Level Eight back in the Mm seventies opened a couple of weeks ago. Awesome. Well, well. Here's the, here's, and it's difficult for me to articulate it because I, I don't have the words to explain. I, I got some tremendous amount of data that was downloaded to me. One of which is I'm now convinced that that tall gray was not an alien, but me in the future. Hmm. I'm convinced now that all the different colors of races of Nordic, reptilian, whatever, are. Based on what I'm about to say, if you were to be, if you were to choose an artifact to remember Earth by, what would it be? Hmm. And if you chose the right artifact, instead of being rotated back into the matrix, dumped down into who knows what we're going to become to mine gold for their Dyson sphere needs, as a metaphor, you got to choose a star of your choice to finish your revolution, what artifact would that be to remember Earth by? DNA? Everybody's a little different. You know what I chose? A clamshell to pull my whisker beards out because the razor I currently use, you know, the Remington and the Phillips and all the rest of it, cost me $49, but the blades wear out in less than seven months and I can get those for $38, or I can buy a new Razor for $42. So, and it's crazy it's a, as a metaphor,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and as a metaphor. And so the star, I'm guessing each of us would have chosen to complete our evolution determines all the different kinds of aliens that we now have out of the last 50 years, because before 50 years from there, We only had little green men from Mars. Right. Well, (laughs) you're getting, we can't comprehend what an alien is. No. It doesn't work like that. It's like we're limited. The fact that there's four cetaceans that have bigger brain cases than man would presume they also have higher technologies. And Orca has a cerebral cortex crunching power that's twice the size of yours, and that mammal's firing 60%, where you're only 10%. What do you think that mammal's doing when it has access to nine-tenths of the biosphere where even with all of our technologies we have access to only one-tenth of the biosphere?
0: I can't imagine what that thing's doing.
1: Yeah, you couldn't comprehend it. It could be a a five-dimensional being Mm -hmm. you know, that's doing things we can't even comprehend to be able to have access like that with its limited four-dimensional dimensions. I'm I'm starting to see patterns and things that realize that there's no way I'm ever going to know what really happened. Physics always starts with an assumed truth. And so it's limited to the ability of, you know, how well you can guess at something, you know, and assuming this is the way it is. And that's why I would also say that I don't think there'll ever be a theory of everything. Mm -hmm. I don't think it works like that. I think we're limited to our ability to imagine. And as we mature, we get better at it. For example, if I said, is the earth round or flat? The correct answer is yes. If you look at the universe this way, you have these doors. Or if you look at it that way, then you have all these other doors. Or you do what all the saints in history have suggested we do in training the mind, you have access to all the doors. And that's why the mind is a tool, not an absolute. It's not the bottom line. Basically, it could be seen as a gut, like your stomach is controlling the physical world. The the brain is all the choices you didn't make and the alternate universes they imply. And that's the new series I'm coming out with on the work I did when I moved the Manager Foundation from Topeka, Kansas, to the University of Washington. I discovered, adding video feedback, I discovered cymatics and the concept of geometry. Mm -hmm. Okay. The second book, Electromagic, will be in 1979, I bad passed the use of drugs. And went directly to talking to neurotransmitter releases using more and intimate German acupuncture equipment as electric currents on the forehead. And guess what? Drugs are basically toxins, but they have a chemistry that's very similar to but different than your neurotransmitters in the brain. And each of us is different in the brain with those neurotransmitters, just like we are with the gut and what we choose to eat. That creates different kinds of universes, and when you take lysergic acid diethylamide, the twenty hours of high is not from that that uh, that substance because it's completely broken down and into the urine within twenty minutes. What your high is from is the release of your immune system's response with releasing. Di- uh, uh, di- uh, 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 amides, you know, lysergic acid amides. There's all different series of them, and each one of those highs is you from a different un. as a metaphor, is you from a different universe where the laws of physics are different. And if you learned how to use those highs, Mm -hmm. like I did, let's say, with the ESP book I wrote, you know, on the work I did with Mission Control, you, if you do a certain state of altered state in hypnosis, your ability increases 400 times over where you are right now. Okay, I'm going to say this high is the same way when I watched a woman rip a car door off to save her daughter in a flaming automobile. That was not because the adrenaline made her bone and muscle stronger than steel. Something else is going on here. And anything you could imagine God... Being capable of doing is probably what you could do right now with your full potential if you were training the mind and using it as a tool. And that is less than halfway to God.
0: Hmm. Wow. So if this polar shift happens, does that just affect life here in this dimension and the other versions of us will continue to go on as normal?
1: String theory. What I'm doing with string theory is I'm taking 10 dimensions and an 11th wormhole that interconnects them, and then I'm tying knots in them like Kaufman did, called knot theory. Mm -hmm. That's where the different neurotransmitters relate to those different universes on choices you didn't make that you now make in your brain to have that universe access to you and those laws of physics access, where you can have the strength of 10. Where you can, ha- okay, see the future. Like some people can do that. They do it through dowsing or whatever. What I did then is the second altered state that I developed with Yogatronics, where I created my own wormhole, different than astral projection or remote viewing or soul travel. You know, they call the Shabbat, you know, sound current. What I did is something completely different and led a team of scientists from NASA. To Mars in 1983 and that's when the paper I showed you from CIA and yeah. some of the others where they were doing that in 1984 but the way they did it was with remote viewing and the way I did it was something way different and more safe in my opinion if you're interested in the distinction between astral projection and remote viewing because they're quite different okay right. you can refer to Alex Kavarinin, Who was a Finnish mathematician that did the math for Jerry Pollock on on water? He's dead now. And a a zine on the internet called Emergent Mind Bulletin. Mm. Leon Sidorov was the editor. Alex Kavarin talks about in that series talks about the dangers of remote viewing because it's out of body rather than inner inside the body. Mm. Just like ESP is different than PK phenomena.
0: I learned how to remote view from uh, David Morehouse. Right. It, it so, works. It's amazing how it
1: a, works. There's something else going on here, and I don't have the answers, except that I would begin to think about how do you want to remember Earth by? And if you can fix the right artifact, that will be your logo or sacred geometry to focus on and setting the brain up as a resonant cavity oscillator, and you create your own wormhole out of the matrix. Mm. That's what I understand now for myself, as a metaphor.
0: So is that, like, similar to, like, sigil magic?
1: Magic with a K is sleight of mind, like laser mane is sleight of hand, you know, Harry in your pocket, sleight of hand. Slight of mind is using your mind as a tool so it does what you want it to do, not what it believes it should do. That belief system is programming that goes back since you came out of the crib. Like, hey kids, what time is it? Howdy duty time. Hawk, 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 hawk. Clarabelle and Princess Summerfall, Winter Spring, and Buffalo Bob. Yeah, it makes you grin. But that's where the programming begins. I believe that, and I wouldn't have seen it if I hadn't believed it. Once you get that concept, now you're on your way to evolution. It's very important to understand that training the mind is going to be what gets you out of the matrix and not having to come back here and now work with AIs. There's a there's a real creepy video that just came out. It's an animated thing called. Uh, after the reset (laughs) and it shows where what options you have after you've gotten reset by the new world order and nothing that we're being told is real and i'm wondering how much of it is human and how much of it is something more have you noticed our educational processes back when i was in school in high school We had shop and mechanical drawing and, and, uh, okay, and before that, in Latin, we were given Latin in second grade, you know, as a mother language thing, before we even started thinking about Spanish. But when I was studying it, instead of studying Spanish and Tagalog, I studied Esperanto, the intercropping language that could talk to all of them, you know, as a mother language. But that doesn't even exist anymore in the United States. And I don't have answers. I have more questions. Every time I come up with something, it leads me down deep, deeper, deeper warrants of rabbit holes. And I'm now realizing that it may not work that way. That I'm you know, that's why Castaneda in his books labeled knowledge as illusion. Wisdom and knowledge, there's only one place on the tree of life. Where knowledge becomes wisdom, and that's a very temporary place called Doth. You know, just above self-confidence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like right yeah. between,
0: was it Tippereth and Kether?
1: That's correct, on path 13, mm-hmm. My priestess. That's correct. And basically, it's like me leaping out into a roaring, you're sitting there in disbelief while you watch me leap out into chaos, into danger, and there's a stone under the water that you didn't see that I balance myself on temporarily leaping to the other side laughing. That's what dot is. It's a temporary place, a metaphorically. And we all are beginning to realize that at this moment. And this is the quickening. Hmm. And I told you it was going to be kind of a, I didn't wow. want it to be like this, but I mean, that's what's, ha- the core of the earth, when is it ever Stop spinning twice at once in recorded history. It's only. Oh. And what that does, it doesn't cause the Earth to stop. It's, um, it, that, what it does is that causes a magnetic field shift, which then causes the earthquakes and volcanoes and everything else to cause the Earth to stop spinning. And it spins on a different direction with a different axis.
0: Does that change its orbit, too? What's that? Will that change its orbit
1: also? I don't know I you know i I historically there's no written record, so how do I do it except from anthropology and archaeology you know soil changes mm-hmm. you can see where the rock got melted you know in this this period of time, that kind of thing, and that's based on assumptions that that's the correct way to read geology I mean you know it's all assumed truths that's why I'm saying ultimately you can't ever get there from here you can get close but no cigar. Oh, man.
0: This is bad news.
1: No, it's not bad. It's not good. It's not Christian. <laughs> it's living <laughs> color. That's, you know, the Eastern thought was Yang was in the end. You mm-hmm. know, the, the one was in the other. And that's what is the basic concept of choice. When you make choices on things and you're going to do this, not that. How many of them did you make today?
0: Thousands, you know, thousands, and, and, and probably none of them were the right choice for
1: That's me. <laughs> what is trying to address. I'm your little boy scout <laughs> trying to tie knots into string from the strings in ten dimensions with an intercropping wormhole, and that wormhole existed in different places in the different knots I tie, like a hanging knot. Oh. I don't know. was thirteen turns on it, right? As a metaphor. That sets up bandwidths and what dirt certain kinds of frequencies in that universe. Hmm. As a metaphor. Mm-hmm. You know, and the way you would look at things and how the knot goes into this way but out that way for a slip knot or a square knot or a you know.
0: Well we gotta be there's no there's no way out of the noose?
1: I'm not understanding. That.
0: There's no way out of the noose?
1: No. Not that I know of except maybe your artifact. Do
0: hmm.
1: you understand what I'm... As a metaphor.
0: I do, yeah.
1: Yeah, because I when I went to Mars with 12 scientists from NASA, did you know that that planet literally has more water on it than Earth does? It's a larger planet, and most of Earth's water is not in the ocean. It's underground. Mm-hmm. Mars yeah. is a larger planet. And you have to wonder what the asteroid belt was and why... We came to Earth, and then the woman was cloned from Adam's rib. That sounds like cloning. And that's called the veil of Isis. So, you know, you, you, you have to wonder what's really going on here.
0: Yeah, I've always, just, I've always assumed that the asteroid belt was another planet that got wiped out. It could be the planet that we actually came from, I think.
1: Yeah, there's an interesting new movie on Netflix. I just watched it the other day mm-hmm. about uh, people going down into a cave, and it's a time vault where they come back up into the future because time stops in the vault where time up above doesn't. It's an interesting one. It's called uh, I think it, I forget what it's called, but it's about a time. It's about a cave that they climb down into, and it's a time vault, and the aliens secure. them. And the aliens. Graves or reticulums or whatever they're, they're human. I mean, they're what humans evolve into, predicated on the star you chose to evolve in, presuming that a star is a place. Again, that's the concept of space, not something else that's going on in here. Yeah,
0: I've always considered that possibility that the gray aliens were actually humans from the future.
1: That's Merlin in a book by T.H. White when he said to Arthur. Anything not specifically forbidden is mandatory. In my own words, if it's possible, you can count on it. That's my ja- yeah exactly.
0: I, I have and same philosophy. It, yep.
1: Yeah. If, well, if, if I it, if, the if,
0: if I can think of it, then it's already been done because I'm not that smart.
1: Real. Your imagination is <laughs> yeah. what makes it real. And I'm guessing when I watch Orca chase dolphin up at Friday Harbor for food chains. What are aliens eating us for? And then it became apparent. They live off emotional content. And not emotions like we understand them, but like that's why the rituals in sex magic have always been so powerful because the thought that this is the Mormon, uh, the Mason, Masonic secret. The thought that occurs at the moment of climax happens. 400 years with that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I've read about that.
1: Yeah, and so they're feeding off our emotions, and if you have a lot of drama,
0: that's why they want to create so much fear.
1: Well, then there it is. I don't know, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I am, um, I'm just Fox Mulder trying to figure it all out, and I don't have a forensics with me. You know what I mean, my partner.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That is some wild, wild stuff.
1: Yeah, but it's absolutely based on my solidness as a physicist, and I know that I don't know. So I have to wonder why I'm here at this moment, and this is the most important thing I'm going to tell you right now. Even if nothing happens, you would all be wise to begin growing a minimum of at least 20 to 40% of the food you consume right now. Because even if nothing happens, California is already owned by China, and the rest of that food comes across that border, which is being controlled by the Mexican cartels. And if you don't think food is not going to be your single most expensive resource shortly... I believe that. Texas, it's yeah, happening. Texas is leaving the union this year. Because Biden didn't do anything about their Mexican cartel against their border. They're pissed. It's like that's where all 40% of our food comes from. Everyone listening to me in the United States, that's where our food comes from. What are you going to do? And what are you going to do if night becomes day and winter becomes, you know, mostly? What are you going to do? A a good aquaculture system to feed 10 people is less than the size of your bed. If you grew that product indoors or underground, okay, in a closet with LED lighting, no power hardly required at all. 90% of our lighting is lost in heat. And, you know, that's what makes LED so important. And when you start working with individual crops where their bandwidths are Specific uh, Now, you hardly need any light at all to make that plant grow and essentially no energy at all. You could be charging a battery with a bicycle. Hmm. You pump it for one hour and that's enough to take you through several days of power.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that we would need if we we're going to survive it. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I'm thinking like if manly uh continents are just being torn well, that's apart, why
1: there will be death. There, know. there will be you know there will be casualties. I,
0: I mean, yeah. just lucky people will survive. In- I,
1: I see. I, what I'm looking now is it seems like our our entire population is becoming dumber. Yeah. Why?
0: Because that's what they yeah. want. They don't want us to survive.
1: Yeah, how did Jay Leno put it? Run out of Doritos. Oh no, we'll make more. <laughs> That's why, you know, forty percent of Oregon is obese. They're not fat or overweight. They're obese. Our food choices, our way of behavior is all moved toward lesser lifespan.
0: How long do you think a human could should be able to live? I've, I've heard stories like people will say humans can live up to like 600 years, things like that.
1: Um, there are legends of, of giants, the Nephilim and so on, that lived immortally. Uh, the Hopi and Navajo, Shiprock, talk about giant cannibals um, mm-hmm. that lived six and 700 years. Myself, um, I brought my blood panels down perfect. I've got my cholesterol went from 150 down to 50. I swim at the Y, and I've lost forty-two pounds. I'm in better shape today than I was ten years ago, and my doctor now thinks I might live to a 100, 110, just because. Do I look like I'm seventy-nine? No,
2: <laughs> my,
1: my teeth are bad, but you know, I'm you know I, I'm vital. I you know I feel like I'm a four-year-old. I'm basically a four-year-old that never turned seven. That's my gift with a dead memory, and now I'm trapped in this old. I'm a 79-year-old body. Hmm. You know? Wow. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah. And my girlfriend of nine years, ten years, I I may have lost her because she's having to take care of her parents now. And the stress I'm under with all the weird things that are happening to me, that are unnatural. Everything's broken. The sound like my sound with you mm-hmm. is terrible. And yet you've got a good mic. I've got a good mic. How come we're getting a terrible signal? I don't know. I don't either.
0: But maybe you don't but want us to talk.
1: And when I'm on spectrum, I have spectrum as my internet provider and all of that. But my upload and download is embarrassing. They're they're below world, you know, FCC standards. And uh the service, I'll be talking to somebody and all of a sudden the light's gone. Just like that. Hmm. I don't understand. That's one of the reasons I drive a 280C an... <laughs> 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 But they, Yeah, exactly. They don't wear out.
0: I didn't know they still had one around.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It, it's a 76. It's the one the Ford Racing team used to race up Pikes Peak. And so it's been set up for racing, you know light has a spoiler in the back, no bumpers. English Racing Green, Enki Wheels, light. Hmm. 1,600 pounds. Yeah. I love it. Probably, I'm going to do it like David Niven, use it as my coffin on the movie On the Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is try to find my TARDIS. I've got it buried around here somewhere, and I'm going to go back to the future where I belong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, if this also happens, do you think that there's any possibility of extraterrestrial intervention that w- could help us, or or humans well, from the future trying know, to help? Like maybe they'll move us to different timelines.
1: There's a uh, Richard. For it wasn't no. Who was it? Not Alan Dean Foster. I forget who it was that wrote the book. Uh, um, Epoch and Aeon where at the end of days, the last days of man, aliens appear and they select 144,000 to relocate in another universe. You know, like they did with Mars. But that presumes time again, and I think there's something else going on here, and the time isn't really real. So what is it? Waking up?
0: I don't know what it is. Except, you're you're yeah, right, I, I don't know what t- are, time yeah. is. If time's not real... You know, I don't even know what gravity is.
1: Well, that's why that's where you get your curved space and flat Earth is from gravity and the concept of our current studies of gravity. But space, like time, is why Heisenberg introduced the uncertainty principle. When you mm-hmm. take an analog system and turn it into uh, digital, like particles, you induce an uncertainty. And uh, what the more you know about one thing, the less you know about something else. You can't get there from here. That's what happens when you go from an analog to digital system and why quantum mechanics wasn't working and why I came up with the holographic concept to you know, where it was information that wit down into or out of itself like a fractal. Hmm. That'd be like your Mendelbrot and Julia or May Patterns. I'm a polymath, that's what I do. I don't know if you knew this or not, but I was one of the kids they took to NASA in nineteen sixty. I wasn't quite sixteen. And I helped convert Greek mathematics into English code. That's when we had Fortran and Algol, Mm -hmm. and then later COBOL and C++ and NGOL. And, you know, they had all these different languages that turned into English for code. You had AND, OR, and NOT. And then what we went from that concept into NOR-NAND logic, which became object-oriented. And that's where you could take you know fifteen, fifteen uh, 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 different objects and convert it into half a half a meg instead of fifteen different you know mm-hmm. documents and and you know but we were doing machine back then and uh, machine was better than Unix and Unix was pretty good now everything's breakable you I have a Linux system over here I use because this microsoft has so many holes in it even windows 7 which was perfect i could do anything with windows 7 and now i can't why they upgraded it beyond its usefulness now they have what windows 11 what's yeah. that all about well i can tell you what gecko said in the movie wall street greed is good <laughs>
0: If the universe is holographic in nature, which which uh, oh, that's, it, that's is your, one way yeah I'm then then, then how does this happen? Like if everything is just information, the polar shift itself would be just information. Therefore, it is possible that it could be restored from a backup, right?
1: And, and time. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know what time travel is. Keeping no. an honest diary, like uh. Ira Progoff. That's time travel. You go back to the same hologram that you had when you wrote that thing, Mm -hmm. and you're reliving it just like that. And all the different options that could have happened that you didn't do at that moment. And those are the multiverse parts that I'm going to now try to write. I figure my multiverse, which will supersede my holographic universe by 51 years, um, won't last more than 10, probably. (laughs) Probably.
0: Hmm. Gotta last longer than that.
1: Well, I know better. I've, I've been there. I've, I'm based on my history of seeing how it goes. Mm-hmm. You know? and I'm now realizing Simon says you can go halfway to the door. You can get really close, but that you, no cigar. And that's why he gave us two brains for the cavitation process of melcoma in the middle. <laughs> You know, you've got science and religion as a metaphor.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. They both, one is on faith and the other is on assumptions. What's the difference?
0: There is no difference.
1: Then there it is. And that's why you have malcoma. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually a chapter in my non-local mind. It's called Time Travel and the True Nature of Cavitation. Hmm. Yeah, based on, you know, Mark Lecare and other people's work at MIT. Wow. Cavitation, that's when a drop of water hits a pool of water. And then a whole series of things happen. The the drop goes down into the water and it goes, and comes back up again. But it's no longer a drop of water. What it is is a bubble that has captured the medium in which it fell, air,
0: mm-hmm. before it
1: hit the water. And... That's where Penrose came up with his Taurus Twister model of cavitation, of going into the out of. (laughs) That's Alan Dean Foster, Hmm. sci-fi guy. So, you know, there's all kinds of possibilities here of how you choose to look at what's going on, and they're all arbitrary, and each one opens different doors. And if you use your mind as a tool... You have access to all of them. And then that's when you start to evolve.
0: And what that's is, what I'm trying to do. What is death? Evolution? Death is evolution?
1: I don't know. I you know, I'm just I'm sitting here playing with fire, you know, and I don't <laughs> I'm gonna maybe burn down the building without knowing what I'm doing. I don't know. I think so, I don't know. Huh. Yeah. I don't Interesting, know. isn't it? The philosophy of it and the concepts of the distinction between morals and ethics or the distinction between purpose and intent. What's your purpose here and what's your intent? They're different.
0: Are they? I don't know.
1: A moral man knows not, I mean, an ethical man knows not to cheat on his wife. A moral man won't. And the way Batman put it is, it's not who you are, but what you do that determines who you are. That's why I have a little thing sitting across from my toilet that I meditate on every year, every day. And it says nothing more than unrewarded genius and the importance of persistence. You know, it isn't unrewarded genius and it isn't hope that's going to get you there because that hope, was the last evil in Pandora's box. I mean, you know, it, it's not going to get you there. The thing that's going to get you there is a lot of hard work and being persistent at it. Right. You have an idea, that's the whole idea of a thought form. The more you put into it, the more it becomes.
0: you got to give it energy.
1: Well, that's And,
0: the and of, then once I think once you start giving something energy, though, you can kind of get a momentum...
1: Ener- it, it, you you real can get a,
0: a momentum going, though. Right.
1: Momentum is another concept. Mass, time, energy, velocity.
0: Oh, God, it's concepts, man. (laughs) When you
1: have a big guy wanting to beat you up, it doesn't matter how good you are. Mass (laughs) matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I have no illusions that um, we are about to face an extinction event because of what and who we are And we have choices on how we're going to accept that event. Mm -hmm. And I would suggest you all start thinking about how you want to remember Earth by, and you don't want to come back here, you want to go somewhere else. That's your artifact. And that will probably determine whether or not you turn out to be a reticulant, a gray, or a Nordic, or whatever, probably.
0: Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. I think if this happens... Um,
1: You know, when you look up that way and you look to the left as opposed to the right, mm -hmm. that's neuro-linguistic programming, and I can read what you're thinking by the way your eyes move. Okay. There's all kinds of, yeah, there's all kinds of communication going on.
0: Yeah, I'm not even really sure what I'm thinking. Like, it got lost already. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I started to think something, and it went away. Uh, What does that mean? Like, what happens? Is it possible that someone else is controlling my mind and making me forget things and not to ask them?
1: Well, they can try. That's why you train your mind to be a tool.
0: I have to do that.
1: Well, meditation. That's what made, you know, a a Tibetan monk. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Training the mind, using it as a tool rather than an absolute. Jesus said it, bang, I believe it, and that's that. (laughs) (laughs) i had one of those today and i really respect her she's a really nice person but she's a born-again christian and i i have to respect that it works for her makes her happy you have a choice on whether you want to be happy or grumpy me how did monty python put it come back i can still bite
0: (laughs) i guess i'm still grumpy (laughs) (laughs) that's right man
1: Uncle Scrooge
0: yeah that would be me I I don't know
1: what I'm trying to do is open your mind to the possibilities and then you are going to make a decision Mm -hmm. it isn't necessarily the one I'm trying to promote but that is where the richness lies in the difference in all of us that's what made us God savored all the different universes that get created. You talk about Satanism, that's just a bizarre form of Christianity, like Al-Qaeda is a bizarre form of Muslim. And Buddhism has its own weirdnesses, you know, Mm -hmm. to the extremes. And none of it's wrong. All of it is about choice. And that is where the wonderful part of what made us so... Wonderful. I feel and I've said this before, like I'm David Copperfield telling the Lord that I'm still hungry. Please, for, for something more than the physical plane. This isn't real. I mean it's you know, it's it's crazy to think that, but you know, it's true.
0: Yeah, I know it's not real.
1: Yeah. And you I have experienced being in the moment where time stops. Was that? that was one of the protocols I trained Navy SEALs in, how to slow their perception of time down to the point where they took their martial art into the precision mm-hmm. you know of, of being paranormal. All of these different altered states are actually tools in a toolbox. And once we recognize that. And train the mind to use them. Now, well, you know, let's escape and go get a gun, you know, but use it for intent and purpose. Why did you choose to do this and how are you going to do it? That's the distance between purpose and intent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What you chose and why. It's another dimension in the strings.
0: But how do I know the purpose is even mine, or my intent is even mine?
1: You can't answer that.
0: But like no- it's
1: my opinion, but I don't think it's
0: because if, if all this is an illusion, then I'm an illusion. So therefore, my purpose and intent are not necessarily real either.
1: That's why you keep an honest diary, because it sets up a dialogue between you and your inner self, mm-hmm. or not, not the not not I part of self. Where you now have a language and you know at any given moment how you feel about something. That is defined as self realization. That's halfway to God. Or what you call Christ consciousness, being aware of self. Once you've done that, now you need a helicopter to get to God. (laughs) (laughs) It, It isn't like an easy journey at all.
0: If there's a God, what if there is no God?
1: Well, that's why they have saints that come back and do SIVA or, uh, you know, a fifth-plane mystic. Mm-hmm. I've met a fifth-plane mystic. I used to smoke pot with Pirvilette Khan that was fourth-plane up on uh, Orcas Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, I taught with Alan Watts
0: right. at
1: Blacon. Yeah.
0: Oh, and, Alan Watts.
1: Well, these guys were, in my humble opinion, may not have had... the depth of knowledge that I'd have, but that's all illusion. What they had is an aspect of wisdom that I sought and felt from them. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was seeking. You know, when I went out and sought these, and I met a fifth plane mystic, Sharon Singh, uh, I, I became a satsangi in 1979. When he chose me for initiation, I had to be a vegetarian for six months before I could even apply. And the problem is I was an O-negative blood type, which means I, I can't really live without certain kinds of flesh. I mean, I have to eat dairy. I eat a lot of dairy. I'm a lacto-ovo vegetarian is what I am now. But I need those enzymes because I don't have them in my blood to be able to convert, you know, beans and rice. Hmm. Different blood types. Uh, that's brutal. But I meditate every day.
0: I pretty much live off of beans and rice. What's that? I live off of beans and rice.
1: I know. that's, And some people can, but what's your blood type? You're an A or a B or something? You I have no idea. You're. That's really important to know that. it's a, From a dietary point of view, you you need to know what kind of blood type you are because it determines what kinds of foods you're, you can live off of and what kinds are not going to give you access to the enzymes that you need otherwise.
0: Mm. I just try to live primitive. I try what's to that? live... Like,
1: on, like, yeah,
0: <laughs> basically, you know, because if you can survive like that, then you should be able to survive a poor shift, right?
1: I found, yes, there will be people that will survive.
0: So, so if I can live as primitive as possible now, that'll get me ready for it.
1: See, I don't know how this is all going to work. I'm, I'm too much of a scientist caught up mm-hmm. in my illusions. Well, belief system that, well, if that continent shifts, I'm going to be dead. You know, or I don't care. That's another way of going about it. I don't care. I've already. And I have actually lived three lifetimes in one. Literally, if you look at all the books I've written and things like that, I don't know anybody that's had that many careers and become a world authority in those many areas. Right. And yet, I know I don't know. So what does that mean? You know?
0: Yeah, you've contributed a lot, so.
1: Yeah, uh, at least we can laugh about it. I, mean,
0: I, go, I guess I did probably. too. I, I contributed 500 podcast episodes.
1: <laughs> oh man, yeah, I found that the Greeks have divine tragedy and what, divine comedy, and that's when I would say something like, Black lives don't matter. That's to polarize us. What matters is black humor, that matters, uh, and everybody laughs. Not what color you are, but we all laugh because we all get that. Mm -hmm. It isn't about, you know, polarizing us into different colors or different blood types or different mentats, you know, like intuitive. I found that there are many kinds of intelligence way beyond me. I'm considered one of the most intelligent people at the Pentagon. That's why I'm a GS18. But I tell you what, I've met people that are real geniuses and you know, I mean, it's like Bob Marshall. That's a book I'm writing on the Marshall papers, the work that he did with Buckminster Fuller on, you know, you know, that was on the fullerene concepts and the way carbon bonds to itself on the C60 and C120 rings. And I can tell you, that man. Um, Let me give you an example on him. He um, Riemann challenged the mathematical community to come up. With a mathematical expression for recurring primes. 17, 19, 21, okay. Nobody's ever done that over 150 years. Bob Marshall envisioned on a yellow tablet cone with a certain pitch to it, you know, not this way, but more like that, and then did numbers around spiraling around the thing going down you can draw straight lines through it. He did that visually as chapter seven mm-hmm. in a book I'm writing on the Marshall Papers. Nobody's ever heard of that because everything that we hear about Bob Marshall was his concept of the buckyball and the way carbon, you know, C16 and all of that. That's the diamond body, the face center cubic hexagonal post packed structure. But there's that. And then women, a lot of extreme intuition, and just like a dog, just know. And that to me is another kind of an awareness that I don't have. I, I aspire toward, but I don't have that. These are all different altered states, predicated on the way and what you eat, you are what you eat. <laughs> you know, it you know, it determines the bacteria or, or neurotransmitters, like you have bacteria in your stomach. Mm-hmm. Each of us is a little different. And so our gut runs our bodies differently. And that's why there's different kinds of body types and blood types and all these different patterns. And all of it is eventually going to come back to our concept of space and the way celestial bodies, the geometry of celestial bodies control biological processes. That will be our new definition of space when this is all settled out. Astrology. Right, you're yeah, you're it. You're in it. I watched your eyes just glaze over. Just <laughs> I was just thinking, like you said, that like <laughs> astrology. How did, how did that guy in, in Star Wars go? Time to go home and rethink yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm you always trying into... to rethink myself.
1: <laughs> I really appreciate you having me. Thank
0: Thanks, you. man. It's been hopefully a... <laughs> this
1: brings in my book sales because. That's my only source of income right now. And I right now, I'm not sure what I'm going to do.
0: Oh, we are going to so, talk about your website.
1: Uh, well, I have a new one, too. The books are at richardallenmiller.com, Um And I write in agriculture. And my knowledge base is unbelievable I because of my photographic memory. And as a result, some Europeans have put a brand new website together called Ask MrWizard.net. <laughs> no, it, it's uh, I like you, it. can, you, you can subscribe for one month and I answer all your questions in one month, or you can do it over a year, in which case I'm available for the whole year. And it's a Patreon thing, kind of thing, and it hopefully will keep me out of the food bank. <laughs> well, you know, all I have is my social security because when I was working military, I was a civilian. You know, they can't pay me. I get Social Security. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. But that's okay. I'm okay. I live just flat margin. I have everything that I need, not everything I want. There's a difference because even if you're in jail, you have everything you need. That's <laughs> true. Toilet paper, you know, when you're out of toilet paper, it can be really bad. I use a stick. <laughs> well, I use leaves in the forest, but then if you grab the wrong one, like, Poison oak.
0: <laughs> I've made that mistake. Real bad. bad. <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And it's interesting because really everything is marketable. I remember when I was making good money way back when, I had a little girl die of leukemia, and that's where I lost all my money. But basically, uh, everything's marketable. I think it was in 2010 – Though my last year of marketing native plants, I did a hundred and fifty truckloads of ponderosa pine cone. What color would you like your fire starter, Mum?
2: Hmm.
1: You know, we dipped it in oil so that it gave a green flame or an orange flame or whatever color you like. We had oil that we dipped the cone in, and what we were doing is basically cleaning the woods of burnable material so that it had less of a chance for forest fire. I was over in La Pine and sisters. I had like Guatemalan crews picking a truckload every day.
0: That's brilliant. What's that? That's brilliant.
1: Yeah. A lot of, a lot of you know, that whole forest over there is all ponderosa. And so the, the ground was full of cone And fall. Uh, but mosses are, a lot of mosses. Uh, in each state, everybody has their own analogs. That's a native plant book of commercial importance. They're like golden seal on the West Coast is Oregon grapefruit. It's got more bare bearing than hydrastine, but it's the same chemistries. And we have our own ginsengs with opalopanex or It's a devil's club. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every region has its own pharmaceutical and alleged use. The northern Cheyenne out of Basin, Montana, did echinacea. The one they had was echinacea angustifolia. And what that does when you chew on the root, echinacea, true echinacea, not purpurea, but angustifolia, when you chew on the root, it, what it does is it sets up uh, turgor in the synovial fluids of your mouth and that the, the electrostatic fields then reduces the habitat where virus can set up and your body goes in and drills it with its own immune system by keeping it localized. That's what, how echinacea works. I and agree. there's variations of that. I have a nine. There are nine different variations. And, you know, there's purpurea, which is purple coneflower, which is actually a rudvecchia. So it's not a real one. But there's different kinds of echinacea. And each state has its own analog chemistry-wise. Hmm. What the Northern Cheyenne used to say was that wherever there was a toxin in the woods, its antidote would grow right next to it. In terms of um, poison oak, it would be bracken fern. You know, you get bracken fern, and it's like putting um, vinegar and and baking soda baking soda on 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 the on the itch.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, I wish yeah. I knew that
0: when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, everybody gets, you know, there's toxins all over in the woods. The thing that's interesting is that it seems like the chemistry in the woods, like the, uh, crabgrass, that I made for the military. I showed how to make dimethyltryptamine out of it, which later became the the kind that Steve Blake out of Berkeley did, where you smoke it in a glass pipe. But mm-hmm. that's 5-alpha. And the neurotransmitter that is actually released, that opens up the third eye, is n Comma and hyphen, dimethyltryptamine. When I was studying it, it was called telepathine, and then Rick Strassman and some others picked it up and started doing, you know, their studies on, on the third eye. Mm-hmm. You know, the chill <laughs> that goes up your back. Yeah, yeah. That's basically a light beam in the visible light region. It's causing filia to oscillate that light beam up the point. And if you do your back just correctly with that chill. You can turn on your third eye all by yourself and release that neurotransmitter. That's another one I'm learning how to do. Another one, this is more important. When you get goosebumps, you know what goosebumps are, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's how your body tells consciousness it's generating stem cells. And if you can do that with your mind's eye, making yourself goosebumps, what age do you want to be? 20. Well, good luck with that one, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it, it keeps you younger, like I am.
0: I'm going to start doing thought, that. I'm going to start trying to well, give myself goosebumps. I
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. In fact, I'm going to start doing that Like right after this episode. I'm just going to sit around and try to give myself goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. <Ooh. laughs> I could just go out in the cold, right? Would that work? If I just go outside and stand in the cold? What's this now? How if I just go out in the cold?
1: Oh, the cold is another thing where you can change your temperatures and regulate your body, just like you do with a heat pump. There's all kinds of things you can do to learn how to survive in the woods. Basically, I used to hunt big cats with a camera up at Crater Lake, you know, mm-hmm. where the snow is deep. And when you sleep in snow, it's not going to get below 32 degrees, which means... You know, it's not going to get down to twenty below zero in the snow itself. Hmm. So you got to heat, you got to heat around you if you build yourself into deep snow. I used to do that with my cameras, get up close and personal. They knew I was there; they didn't care because I wasn't disrupting them. And that's really interesting to watch animals in the wild and the way they live.
0: I'm going to try that too. I'm bury myself in the snow.
1: Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Where are in Pennsylvania are you? You're up, up state?
0: No, no, I'm in New Jersey.
1: Oh, oh New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. I I'm
0: live I, I I live in the Pines.
1: Oh, and by the way, it's called New Jersey.
0: No, New Jersey. <laughs> <I'm just
1: kidding.
0: laughs> Not and from Brooklyn. I was, well, I was in
1: Delaware, and we used to go across the Brandywine into Philadelphia. And uh, I, I remember New Jersey. I I dated. I actually married someone from Ramsey. at one point but it was an old that was an interesting marriage (laughs) all my marriages have been train wrecks and it it really nice people and i it's just i was so young i experimented with everything you know Mm -hmm. and uh too young for this too old for that da 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 i regrets no i don't have any regrets i figure i was really lucky in the life i've lived you know i feel blessed that I had the gifts that I had from the Lord because I can now enjoy sharing some of those things, you know. Yeah. That's what it is. By the way, that's another, you can quote me on this one. Ownership is enhanced when shared with another. It's not owning something that makes it valuable, it's being able to share it.
0: That's true. I I totally agree with that.
1: Yeah. It's that's why you do what you're doing.
0: Mhm.
1: Yeah, exactly. Wow.
0: So Richard, it's been great having you again. I miss talking to you
1: yeah, I know well, you have me one more free You're welcome to pick a topic and I'll get prepped on it, and then we'll go for it. All
0: right and now,
1: um, when you, when you by the way, that's what the ask mr wizard dot net is all about. you know yeah. you pick a topic and I'll go crazy on you i'll
0: put <laughs> the, I'll put those links in the notes of the episode so my listeners can check out Mr Wizard. get
1: into a book Yeah. you know that could be. We'll call it Librela, the Book of Wisdom or Folly.
0: <laughs> Hasn't that been used already?
1: That's cruelly. I'm yeah, mad. I know. <laughs> I'm just messing with it <laughs> up.
0: Well, At least you can say 777.
1: <laughs> 93. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> 93. Yeah,
1: 93. <laughs> um, I turned down the Caliphate because I didn't really want to run a magical order that was run by inhabited by a bunch of kids trying to rationalize drugs. Pathworking is, the purpose of pathworking is to change the movie. The book I'm writing on tarot, the magical and ritual use of metaphor, would presume there are 22 stories in the big city. Mm -hmm. And you're either possessed, single storyboard, or you're complex, more than one. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Persephone having to go to hell each year, that would be a kid taking drugs, Once a year because he's depressed at Christmas. And all these different storyboards that we have all have endings and if you don't like the ending of it then that's what pathworking is about. To change the movie. You know, literally. Change the archetypes that you're working with. Yeah. That's how I'm viewing magic. Light of mind.
0: That's exactly what it is.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a way of looking at it, Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people that would disagree ritual is the celebration of a myth mm-hmm. and so that's what you're doing is you're doing the ritual drawing a circle around yourself even in your mind's eye is essential where you're stating essentially everything inside that circle is me and everything outside that circle is not me <laughs> and that's the difference between astral projection and remote viewing mm-hmm. is what Alex Cabrera was trying to suggest and why remote viewing is dangerous.
0: Oh, I've done it. It works. I know it works. because I've done it. You know, I learned it from the CIA. Well, anything
1: okay. in your mind's eye. If you see it in your mind's eye, that's what makes it real. Yeah. And so that's why I also said man has a responsibility for the thoughts he chooses to entertain. There it is. That's true. We're shooting our own selves in the foot. We don't need help.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for being on. And just hang on for one moment, and I'm going to play the outro.
2: com, or message him at everythingimaginable 2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. by the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon, and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. If you loved what you listened to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Thank you for listening to everything imaginable with Gary Cutchell Recording stopped.